We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Man, we got a big episode in store for you guys today. We are doing a reaction and analysis podcast breaking down Oregon's 81 to 7 season opening week one victory over the Portland State Vikings on Saturday in Eugene at Odson Stadium. What a way to start the 2023 season! Year two of Dan Lanning, the start of the Bo Nix Heisman campaign. We're going to get into all of that and more in today's episode. Um, we're coming to you live on a couple of different spots on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres on Twitter at M Torres Sports and on the Ducks Digest Facebook page. So if you guys are here in the live chat on any of those platforms, thank you so much for tuning in and go ahead and let me know your thoughts on Oregon's week one victory over Portland State and maybe throw a question or two my way. Love to do the mailbag stuff. Already got one uh, in the chat. So Glad to have you guys along. A quick programming note before we get into the week one win for Oregon. It is decision day for 2024 Yelm Washington linebacker Braden Platt. He is a major target for the Oregon Ducks on the recruiting trail. He's set to announce his college commitment at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time over on the 247 Sports YouTube page. So if you guys love Oregon recruiting, Make sure you guys tune in to that decision. I have my pick on Oregon for Braden Platt, and I talked about that on my last hit on Fox Sports Eugene over the weekend. So just in case any of you guys missed out on that one, looks like it should be some good news coming for the Ducks later on Monday evening as Braden Platt is set to announce between Oregon and the Oklahoma Sooners. So plenty of Plenty of stuff to talk about on the recruiting trail as the Ducks currently sit at 22 verbal commitments here in the 2024 class. So kind of a couple of things, lots of things, I should say, that we can talk about on today's episode. 
going to get into a little bit of offensive talk, a little bit of defensive talk, and then maybe some big picture. And we'll get into some mailbag as well as the Ducks will start to turn the page from the Portland State win to week two in Lubbock when they travel to the Lone Star State to face former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck and the Texas Tech Red Raiders who lost in their week one game to the Wyoming Cowboys. How is that for a development? So seeing some of these questions here in the chat, I'll go ahead and star them and do the best I can to get to them later on in today's live show. But as you guys always know, if you want to get your question pushed to the top of the priority list, you can do so with a super chat, which just supports the channel. And I always greatly appreciate that. So with that being said, 81 to 7 win for the Oregon Ducks to kick off the 2023 season. And I'd say it was a statement game, but at the same time, it was just an FCS opponent. So you really can't make too much from an FCS opponent. You can't make too big of a of a claim or we still don't know a whole lot about this team as odd as that sounds after playing in week one game but we're going to get a get into some of the top offensive performances that we saw from the ducks in week one and uh, when we're talking about the offense how can we not start with Bo and Nix who finished the day 23 for 27 throwing for 287 yards and three touchdowns but get this, his longest play of the day was only 33 yards, and he actually didn't register a carry or register a rush, which is interesting. But at the same time, I think that's kind of what you wanted to see. You didn't want to see him being overly um, exerted. You didn't want to see them putting him in harm's way uh, on the ground with a big week two game against Texas Tech. But I will say for you guys that like to watch the show and, and listen in, I think I was pretty darn close to predicting Bonix's exact stat line on our previewing and predicting show last week with Zach Neal of Ducks Wire. I think I predicted somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 for 26 for 270 and three touchdowns. I might have said four, so maybe not exactly on the mark, but pretty darn close and got to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back for that one. But Bonix did what we expected to see from Bonix. He had complete control, complete command of the offense. He took care of the ball. He got the ball to the playmakers. And I think that's all you can really ask for from any quarterback. But really, it's not much of a story with Bo Nix in his season debut with the Ducks in 2023, just doing what we expected Bo Nix to do. And maybe that'll be a theme for this season. I think we're definitely going to see him run a lot more, certainly uh, in the Texas Tech game, which I'm kind of getting to one of those mailbag questions. But I think really Bo Nix doesn't need to be a superhero. And I think that was one of the big lessons that he probably learned in his first year after transferring from Auburn last season. I think Kenny Dillingham sat him down and said, hey man, you were playing a bunch of hero ball over there in the SEC and we don't need you to do that here. We just need you to be calm, be poised, get the ball to these stud playmakers that we have. That was his whole saying last year, right? Feed the studs. And there are plenty of studs on this Oregon team. So Bo Nix had a great day. Don't need to dedicate too much time to it, but uh, certainly great to see the Oregon quarterback have an awesome debut in 2023 as the Ducks got off to a really quick start in this one. Uh, and they actually went into the half leading by a score of 50 to seven. So can't ask for much more of than that if you're looking for a hot start. And now we got to talk a little bit about Ty Thompson just on the topic of quarterbacks, right? 
Ty Thompson, I saw that someone asked, hey, Max, can you hit on this in the podcast? And I said, absolutely, we got to hit on him. Look at Ty Thompson finishing the day, seven for eight, 81 yards and a touchdown. Longest play of the day was for 21 yards. And um, let's see, he also had two rushes for 25 yards. So pretty solid day for Ty Thompson. I think I will say you didn't see anything amazing from Ty Thompson, but he did look pretty good. And I think that similar to what I said about Bo Nix, you kind of saw what you expected from him. I think that we did kind of see what we expected to see from Ty Thompson in this game against Portland State. He has historically in his college career played pretty well against lower level opponents, and that's what the Portland State Vikings were. So I think that you got what you wanted from Ty Thompson. He operated the offense, he moved the ball down the field, and he led his team into the end zone on a scoring drive. So I think that that's exactly what you want to see from Ty. I thought he looked poised. I thought he had good command. He looked confident running the ball. And that's really what you want to see from him in 2023. You want to see him be confident. You want to see him be poised, see him be uh, collected. That's really what you want to see from your quarterback because that's what we want to see from Ty Thompson to, to show us that he can be the guy in 2024 because that's exactly what he wants to do. He's probably looking down the line a little bit at 2024 saying, hey, that's my time. I'm the next quarterback after Bo Nix. I'm the guy to follow in his footsteps because I stuck around when so many other quarterbacks probably would have transferred. I stuck around where there were all when there were all these different offensive coordinators coming through Eugene. And I think that that's really a testament to his character and, and his mindset and willingness to just stick things out and, and get better with this team in uh, in 2024. So this was kind of the first audition, I guess you could say, in the 2023 season for Ty Thompson to show that he can be the guy in 2024. So I loved what I saw from him. I thought it was good. I'm not going to make too much of it. I'd rather see, I want to see what he's going to be able to do against Hawaii, because even though that is a lower opponent, that's still a power five opponent that is going to have a better roster in all likelihood compared to Portland State, who we saw on Saturday. So Ty Thompson liked what I saw from him. Pretty much uh, an error-free game, at least from a stats standpoint. Only thing you could have asked for is that he go eight for eight. So super efficient, uh, and, and I love what I saw from Ty Thompson. Now it, uh, it really turns into what can he do against Hawaii in a couple of weeks when the Ducks return to Autzen Stadium. Hopefully they're coming off a win over Texas Tech in Lubbock. All right, we talked about the quarterbacks a little bit. Now let's talk about some of the wide receivers, the guys that were catching passes from Bo Nix and Ty Thompson all day. We also saw Austin Novosad. He only threw three passes, but he was three for three for 13 yards. And uh, I thought he looked good in the limited snaps that he got against Portland State. But let's talk about the wide receivers because they had themselves a heck of a day, accounting for four touchdowns and 381 receiving yards. 246 of those receiving yards came after these guys made the catch. So I think that is one of the best takeaways from what we saw from Oregon's offense, from Oregon's wide receivers against Portland State, what these guys were able to do after they caught the ball. They were definitely some playmakers. Troy Franklin stole the show. He caught seven of his nine targets for 106 yards and two touchdowns. And that's what we expected. Troy Franklin got off to a hot start. He's on the Bolitnikov Award watch list for a reason. You saw him kind of get skinny and just turn on the Jets for his first touchdown. And in his second touchdown, he kind of kind of lowered that shoulder a little bit and hit and showed that he'd been in the weight room 
a lot this offseason. Love that physical that physical uh, nastiness that we saw from Troy Franklin in that game against Portland State. So he really did what we expected to do. Not really that surprised with what we saw from Troy Franklin in week one for the Ducks. But we did get our first good look at some of these new transfer wide receivers, which is really one of the storylines of this team. The, the group that they were able to bring in in the transfer portal to bolster the wide receiving core. Really the only guy you lose from a year ago is Chase Coda, who's been doing his thing in the NFL ranks for the Detroit Lions. And one of their new wide receivers, one of those transfers, made an impact in this game. I'm talking about Gary Bryant Jr., the USC wide receiver transfer. I was talking to some people around this program, around Eugene, this offseason, this summer, and they were saying Gary Bryant's a dude. He's going to be special. And that's exactly what we saw in week one. Granted, again, really for all of these takes and all this analysis, it's just Portland State, but we can still be excited about what we saw from this team in a couple of different ways. I know I'm seeing some comments about the defense, and we will make sure to get to that later on in today's show. But Gary Bryant Jr. caught all seven of his targets for 100 yards and two touchdowns of his own. I saw the stat somewhere, but I can't remember exactly what it was. This is the first time in a while that Oregon has had two wide receivers register 100-yard games. So that's definitely a great development. Um, he's going to be special. Uh, wide receiver Gary Bryant is going to be special for the Ducks. And I think he is just one of many talented playmakers in that room. We also saw a little bit of Tez Johnson. Didn't make a massive impact, but hey. He caught all three of the balls that were thrown his way for 41 yards. His longest catch of the day was for 28 yards. And he also took a hit over the middle pretty well, which I think is definitely great because he that was kind of the concern that I had along with a, a lot of other people, I'm sure, is just how is his body going to hold up to the wear and tear of being a, a smaller wide receiver and taking some of those hits over the middle and just taking hits uh, all the time. So Love what I saw from some of these new guys. Gary Bryant Jr. catching one in the corner of the end zone. That was exciting. Tez Johnson did his thing. And then Treshawn Holden caught two of his three targets for 17 yards on the day. And uh, we didn't see Chris Hudson register a, a catch in this one. As uh, one of the questions is is asked here, where is Chris Hudson? He didn't, um, didn't uh, register any catches in this one. But we did see, like I said, Treshawn Holden, not a whole lot of uh, impact in this one. He definitely was kind of trailing guys like Troy Franklin and Gary Bryant Jr., but just excited that he was out there and getting used to this offense and, and getting comfortable. One of the guys that we have to talk about is Kyler Casper, who didn't register any stats, but he had what looked to be a really impressive touchdown grab in this game that... They ruled he didn't have control of the ball um, before he before he went out of bounds, I, I believe, or through through contact. So I think it looks like he kind of got robbed of a touchdown there, but excited to see Kyler Casper get involved here. I think one of the great takeaways from this game is that the Ducks were able to distribute the ball really well. I mean, let's see how many guys uh, register receptions. We have one, two, three, four. 10, 11 different guys caught passes for Oregon and they're not all receivers. You had Terrence Ferguson who chipped in three catches for 26 yards. You also saw 
Patrick Herbert catch a ball for 23 yards. Not a big day for the tight ends, but like I said, distributing the ball. Kenyon Sadiq also had a touchdown in dough for the pylon, but wasn't able to ultimately come away with a touchdown there. So you like what you saw from the tight ends. You like what you saw from the wide receivers. I think you just had a really good balanced attack for the Oregon offense that I think really, really helped. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, the Ducks come away with this historic win, setting a modern franchise record with 81 points scored in this one. I think my prediction was... Something along the lines of uh, 62 to 13, and they blew that one out of the water. Uh, Dan Landing opening his post-game press conference, saying, "I think the Ducks is still doing push-ups." Just speaks to the crazy day the Ducks had on offense against Portland State, going absolutely wild. So we talked a little bit so far about the quarterback play. We talked about the wide receiver play, and now we're going to talk about those running backs. Sipping on a, a Fresca sparkling soda water. Do you guys like Fresca? Let me know in the comments. My, uh, I went to see my grandma uh, a, a little bit ago for her birthday, and she said, hey, you want some Fresca? I'm not going to drink this. So I said, hey, I'm not going to turn away some Fresca. Um, good stuff. Not sponsoring the show, but hey. <laughs> so let's, let's get back into it, talking about the running backs here for Oregon and their 81-7 win over Portland State. The Ducks had a dominant day on the ground, running the ball, 34 carries for 348 yards, seven touchdowns. Longest run of the day was Bucky Irving's 56-yarder. And get this, the Ducks averaged 10.2 yards per carry, which is an insane number. Again, it's just Portland State, but you got to love those numbers. Bucky Irving led the way for Oregon, and he only touched the ball four times. Four carries for 119 yards and two touchdowns on the day with a ridiculous 29.8 yards per per rush. And 
So like I said, two touchdowns. And then Jordan James. I think Jordan James might have been one of the biggest talking points of Oregon's day on the ground in week one. 10 carries for 86 yards and three touchdowns. Averaged 8.6 yards per carry. And why is this an exciting development? Well, he's really looking like he's ready to take uh, take on a bigger role in 2023 and maybe beyond, right? I've talked a lot about how I think Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington are going to head to the NFL after this year, and Jordan James will become the de facto RB1 for the Ducks and Carlos Lachlan in 2024. So this is absolutely, without a doubt, his best game as a Duck in his true sophomore season. He was kind of Oregon's third running back, RB3, short down yardage, goal line back in 2022. And Lachlan said he's going to be having a bigger role this year for the Ducks, even though he thought that the short yardage role was kind of a, a big usage for him in his true freshman season coming out of the state of Tennessee. So Jordan James, I think my, I just like the toughness that that kid runs with, man. I mean, he, he, the, the touchdown that he had sweeping out to the right where Jackson Powers Johnson was like falling in and pulling him in. Uh, I just like the toughness that he runs with and his ability to, to, um, to find the end zone and just the determination that he runs with, he is going to be a special one for Oregon in this just absolutely crazy loaded um, backfield that the Ducks have once again in 23 under Carlos Lachlan, who got named one of the top assistants, um, top assistant coaches in all of college football. So Carlos Lachlan is, is absolutely an asset for this Oregon coaching staff. And he continues to just do a great job with these running backs as they just put on a show. And one of the other storylines that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, we didn't really see too much of Noah Whittington. Um, I know that other reporters were saying that they didn't see him at all in, in this game, but he was listed on, um, on Oregon's participation chart, I believe. Um, or was he? I'm looking at it right now. And he's wearing he's wearing number two this year on offense, I think. Let me double check. Because basically we didn't see much of Noah Whittington this year. Um, and oh he's okay, he's wearing number six. He's wearing number six this year. That's right. Um, so that was kind of a shock that we really didn't see a whole lot of Noah Whittington. He didn't register a carry. Um Okay, here we go. We got a comment from Andy saying Whittington got rocked on the opening special teams play and never came back in. Dan Lanning was asked about him after the game and really didn't say a whole lot. Kind of just paraphrasing here, but um, talking about how he's just saying, you know, I'm not going to talk about guys that didn't play today, um, which is uh, which is an interesting development because he's just always been buttoned up, right? That's kind of, that's kind of where things have been with, with Dan Lanning lately. Just um, it's, it's hard for reporters to get a whole lot out of Dan Lanning in these press conferences. And that's definitely, definitely the trend that we have seen this off season. Okay. So uh, yeah, he was asked about Noah Whittington and Lanning said, I'm going to talk. Uh, I'm not going to talk about anybody that didn't play today, but Noah does everything right for us. He's doing a good job. We're just going to be smart with our players. Um, so not, not a, not a huge update, not a lot from Lanning, but like we talked about, um, and there's a comment here, uh, probably smart to, to not use all of our weapons. 
Um, I heard he was out stretching. That's what hot dog sauce says. Um, so yeah, I'm not super concerned about this. I think if, if anything, if any guy w- was close to not being good to go, I don't think that the Oregon staff was going to push it. We also didn't see any of Nishad Struther, the East Carolina offensive line transfer. We didn't see any of Justin Jacobs, the new linebacker who transferred in from Iowa. Uh, so just important to keep these guys uh, ready to go for, for Texas Tech. So it would have been fun to see Noah Whittington, but Jordan James stepping up the way he did, I think uh, really, really is, uh, is, is good to, good to see. So um, I think that, yeah, there were some other reporters that were saying they might've seen him really early on in the game. Um, but that's just one of the topics here. Just what, um, what, what are we going to see from Noah Whittington and his 2023 debut? It looks like it will probably come against Texas Tech. Lanning is supposed to meet with reporters this evening, and I'm sure he's going to be asked about Noah Whittington, but probably not too much to say there. We'll have to see if he is out at practice for the Ducks on Tuesday uh, when they have their first practice that should be open to the media for Texas Tech Week. So kind of, kind of a, it was a bit of a surprise to not see Noah Whittington, but that was definitely, um, I don't think it's that, that big of a deal just because of how they did. And uh, I I think he should be all right. So um, don't want to insinuate too much there. I don't have any inside information on, on no Whittington's availability, but my expectation is that we're going to see him on Saturday when the ducks face Texas tech. All right. Rolling right along here on a beautiful Monday afternoon. We're here in the live stream on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Got a lot of folks here in the live chat, so let me know what you guys think about Oregon's week one win over Portland State, and maybe throw a question my way for some mailbag, but we're going to be getting into Oregon's defense in the season opening win over the Vikings. I know a lot of people had some stuff to say there. The the yards of offense comparatively was absolutely insane. Oregon outgained Portland State 729 to just 200 total yards for the Vikings offense on the day. So I'm going to talk about a couple of the stats, the key stats that stood out for me, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. How's that sound? One of the stats that really popped out for me uh, was 52 total passing yards for the Vikings on just eight completions, and they only attempted 20 total passes, and they got one touchdown on the day. So I think that that just speaks to the job that this Oregon defense did defending the pass. That said, I think that it is kind of interesting that we didn't see any sacks from this Oregon defense in 20 or in their debut game of the season, their season opener. Uh, Brian Moore with with a question here, worried about the zero sacks. I I don't think I'm worried about it long-term because we, we still haven't seen them go against a top opponent that, that being said, I do remember on the preview podcast, I said that I'm, I'm hoping for or expecting even three, four, or five sacks. Um, the Ducks did register some tackles for loss in this game. They had three tackles for loss, those coming from Jordan Birch. Kyrie Jackson had a nice one in the backfield and Taishim Johnson as well. So you definitely want to see a little bit more havoc and some, some chaos at the line of scrimmage from a defensive standpoint. Um, especially against an opponent of Portland State's uh, pedigree, right? You wouldn't expect Oregon to have 
any kind of problems with an offensive line like Portland State's, but they weren't able to come away with any any sacks, which I think it's, it's a little concerning for a week one game, but I think we'll have to see what they're really able to do against Texas Tech. I think that they're going to come out in that game playing with their hair on fire, and that's exactly what the staff wants to see is, is a team that's going to be able to bounce back and say, hey, that was week one, just kind of still gelling and getting into a groove with everything. Let's see how we can do in week two against Texas Tech. So I think I'm worried about it in in the, the box of this one game. It definitely doesn't make sense that they weren't able to get any sacks on the Portland State quarterback, Dante Chassere. Um, but it is what it is. I think that it's it's concerning because that was the, the biggest area of concern, I think, for a lot of Oregon fans watching this. Uh, watching this team play in 2022 and just really underachieving in that regard. But at the end of the day, it was a really dominant performance by the defense from a stat standpoint and just what numbers they were able to put up. So I think that's that's at least something we can kind of be be uh, happy about or some, some good kind of takeaway for this team. Um, looking at some of the stat leaders, Connor Soeli had five total tackles on the day to pace the Oregon defense, and he was followed with a number of guys that had four, Taishim Johnson, Jeffrey Bossa, Kamari Terrell, and Bryce Betcher, the former walk-on two-sport athlete that's also a baseball star. He actually got the starting nod at inside linebacker, probably because we didn't see Justin Jacobs, but either way, he has a great story that you love to see. Uh, Oleg with a question, what scheme are they running defensively? Seemed like a 4-2-5. Yeah, that, that is what Oregon's running this year. At least that's their base package is a 4-2-5. I know Dan Lanyon has talked in the past about liking to be a defense that has multiple looks or multiple sets. So I think we could see that change a little bit. But as of right now, that is going to be Oregon's primary defensive scheme is four down linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. And uh, I think that puts, I want to say it puts more pressure on the linebackers to, to be good, but I also like it because it allows the defensive backs to really be versatile and fly around, which is something that I think they're more than capable of doing with some of the guys that they brought in, um, like like Evan Williams and Taishim Johnson and Kyrie Jackson. And uh, Kamari Terrell is a, a younger guy that that's coming, that's up and coming on this Oregon roster. Okay, what else can we talk about with this Oregon defense? Um, they allowed 148 yards rushing on 37 carries with a long of 22, but they only had one scoring drive. So I think from a stat standpoint, from a score standpoint, you saw Oregon check that box of being dominant. But I think what a lot of fans here are saying in the chat and kind of taking away from this game is that the Ducks didn't have as dominant of a game as we expected from a pass rushing standpoint, from a tackles for loss standpoint, just being in the backfield. So while that's not the greatest development, again, for as good as of a game this for as good of a game as this was in other regards, maybe isn't as good in some some regards like this defensive performance that we saw, but it is just the first week of the season. So in the same regard, what I'm saying is that you can't get too high from the highs, you can't get too lows from too low from the lows, but I would, I would think that this defensive staff is probably laying into them a bit just about what they were able to do getting after the quarterback. So that was a, a bit of a bummer in terms of what we saw from the Ducks in week one. 
You did see them have a really good performance on third down, which I think is a good takeaway for Oregon's defense in this game. The Portland State Vikings were just four for 15 on third down. So this defense was able to more or less get off the field when they when they needed to. That's a 26.67% conversion rate. So I think that's a good step in the right direction. Nobody had a, an overly impressive performance on defense. I think I really like what I saw from Ole Miss transfer defensive back Taishim Johnson. He was kind of flying all over the field. And I think that was good to see. He had, like I said, a tackle for loss. He had a, a pass defended, a pass deflection. Uh, Kamari Terrell also had a pass deflection, and so did Brandon Dorless. So important to have guys that are being active at the line of scrimmage. Nico Reed had two passes defended, as did Dalen Austin and Tyler Turner. So you got to see a lot of young guys get important playing time in their debuts. Dalen Austin and Tyler Turner were some of the guys that they signed in the secondary in the 2023 recruiting class. And then Nico Reed, the Colorado transfer, playing some nickel for the Ducks here early on in 2023. So really not a whole lot to say. I think that the defense had the more surprising performance compared to the offense. Um, I think that that is kind of one of our broad strokes takeaways from Oregon in week one. The Ducks dominated on offense as we expected, maybe not as dominant as we expected for them on defense, which is uh, an area that they need to continue growing in. They certainly have the talent to do that. I think when you see a performance like this, it's important to remind yourselves that there's a lot of new faces. So they obviously need to gel together and uh, just learn how to play off of each other. But at the same time, I think that Dan Lanny and the rest of this Oregon coaching staff they have a little bit of a shorter leash in terms of what's going to be tolerated from a defensive standpoint. Um, and it's not like, it's not like uh, any of the coaches care what my opinion is on this, but they know that that's the defense was definitely a perceived weakness from the fan base last year. So now you're in year two with this coaching staff, you're in year two with this scheme and you have a lot of really good pieces that come in from the transfer portal. So there's expectations that you're going to be able to have one of the best defenses in all of college football. And if the Ducks want to win the Pac-12, get back to the Pac-12 title game and, and return to the playoff, like Josh Pate predicted that they were going to do, I know that that was a topic that had a lot of people buzzing last week, then they're going to have to make strides on defense. So you can't get too high on the highs and you can't get too low on the lows is basically what I'm saying. But I, I agree with what people are saying about this defense leaving a little bit to be desired. 